Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a show dedicated to helping you escape diet culture, gain trust with food, honor your body, and live a brighter life. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Kitchen Table. I am so glad you're here. I'm your host, Alicia Brown, an anti-diet registered dietitian nutritionist. And hey, happy Monday. Let me officially welcome you in to hopefully what is a great work week. I was just talking with my husband and he was saying it's kind of a long stretch between Labor Day and Thanksgiving break. And so if you're feeling like you need a break, if you're feeling like even though the days are getting shorter as far as daylight, if you feel like they're getting longer um, in terms of just like this dragging on um, of time right now, if you're feeling that or if you're feeling kind of anxious, you know, maybe about multiple things right now, there's so many things to feel maybe anxious or maybe frustrated about in regards to the coronavirus and maybe regards to some work stuff in regards to the holidays coming up and how they might be uh, looking a little bit different this year. If you're housing any of that anxiety, if you're feeling any contraction in regards to any of that right now, and if it's showing up as food and body stuff, We're here to sift through that with you. That's what the kitchen table is all about. It's actually just like normalizing that experience of contraction and leaning into it so that we can better understand how to get our body's needs met, how to get our needs met better so that we can fully show up as um, the best versions of ourselves in the world. So we can show up authentically and fully so we can live um, really purposeful lives, um, brighter and more purposeful lives. That's what the kitchen table is all about. So I'm sharing that because I'm definitely feeling some contraction right now. If you watched on my Instagram at aliciabrown.rdn, I posted that our family got hit with the coronavirus last week. We can't smell or taste anything in this house. It is maddening. It's maddening. (laughs) Uh, But besides losing those senses, Tyler and I are doing pretty well some headaches, some cough, some just like fogginess, some slowness we're experiencing, um, but not really horrific symptoms other than being able to, not being able to taste. That is maddening. I cannot, what, what a phenomenon. What an odd experience to lose the sense of taste. It is like eating is a chore. I have to almost like force myself to eat. I'm trying to lean into my hunger cues more to like determine if I'm, if I'm hungry, but then I'm not really satisfied with any food experience. Nothing sounds good. Of course, nothing tastes good. I can only like feel the texture of food in my mouth and the temperature. So it's totally odd. I don't really know when I'm full and I'm definitely never satisfied. Removing satisfaction from the experience with food makes intuitive eating so, so, so hard because there's no enjoyment of eating, which makes it a chore. And I just want to share that before we start this episode because, gosh, satisfaction is the reason why we eat. And I think that's a lot of... um, A lot of intuitive eating talks about satisfaction, but that's something that diets really don't address at all, right? It's just like... It's like a math equation. Just eat this, do this, and eat this much of it at this time, and you'll achieve this result. They don't really address satisfaction. They don't ask you, like, what sounds good to you right now? What sounds satisfying to you right now? And without that element, we don't really have closure with food at the end of mealtimes. And I think that that's what I'm missing right now, losing my sense of taste. I don't have closure at the end of mealtimes. So, like, I'm listening to my fullness cues, like that physical feeling of fullness to tell me that I'm done, but that mental and emotional component 
of fullness and satisfaction, it's not being met. I'm unsatisfied and I'm finding myself like looking around my house for like what is going to be that thing that satisfies me right now. It's not food. What else can it be? Should I take a shower? Should I just go to bed? Should I play with the dog? Like it's not, it's, it's not what I'm looking for though. I want satisfaction with food and I'm not finding that. It's so maddening. Um, so I'm hoping that I kind of, um, continue to give myself some grace and find other satisfying things that can offer me some uh, end of day closure or um, kind of can satisfy that that need that I have for satisfaction. But it's so difficult right now. And so really um, take my experience of losing my sense of taste and apply it to your food experiences that you're having right now. What does satisfaction feel like in your body? What closure do you have at the end of mealtimes that makes your mealtime experience seem complete? Or asking yourself the question, what do I need right now to make this experience more complete? I love that thought, that that thought of completeness or having closure at the end of a mealtime or even at the end of an activity or the end of a ritual. The, The sense of completeness really or tying the bow at the end of of this ritual or mealtime, that uh, can be absolutely satisfying and it can catalyze the effort to go into like the next thing or to move on to the next thing. But yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Losing senses of taste and smell. My gosh, I was joking with my mom over text. I was like, gosh, coronavirus took my sense of taste. Might as well take in my kidneys too. <laughs> like I, I covet my sense of taste that much that what will I do now? Like, might as well have taken my life. No, I'm just joking. That's so dramatic. Um, and hopefully my sense of taste and smell return, hopefully super, super soon, because it's driving me absolutely bonkers, absolutely bonkers. Anyway, speaking of satisfaction, it is Monday, which means that it is the Holiday Food Joy series. And every week, kind of going through the holidays from now through December, we're going to be talking about how to reclaim holiday food joy, reclaim satisfaction with food over the holidays, and that might be something that diet culture has stolen from you. I've shared that I lived a solid decade stressing over the holidays, stressing over what I was gonna eat, what I wasn't gonna eat, compensating for exercise with food, um, planning to eat less, planning ahead. I've even brought my own food to holiday events and used my celiac disease as an excuse to restrict my food intake, that is so harmful. That really disconnected me, of course, from the food, but also with others. It took so much of my joy away. It was a way that I isolated myself under the facade that I was doing like the healthy thing, but really it was very much, paradoxically, the unhealthy thing. It was the unhealthy thing to do, to restrict myself, to control myself that much. And I suffered from it, uh, physically, mentally, and emotionally, more than I even knew at the time. Um, and it wasn't only just over the holidays. That was all year round for me, this disordered eating for so long. And so, especially during the holidays, I'm doing this Holiday Food Joy series just so we can um, begin to explore what, what food freedom over the holidays can really look like and how we can reclaim some of that joy to reclaim a lot of our holiday experience, right? And I know with the coronavirus, things are gonna look different this year, but I still hope that there's some way that you can have a complete (laughs) experience with food over the holidays, a joyful experience with food over the holidays, whether it's just maybe making something in your own kitchen, sharing it with those um, in your home that you love, um, or finding other ways to do it too. 
So, um, or bringing food into the home. I guess I didn't think about that too. You know, like, you know, going to the grocery store and buying something maybe you don't usually buy and having it and enjoying it and sharing it and all of the things and really having a very um, positive experience with food. That's what I want for you over the holidays. I don't want this holiday season for you if there's, if there's any way, um, uh, to overcome it. But uh, what I, what I don't want is you to feel crippled by food over the holidays, to have food be something that gives you anxiety and stress and, and weighs you down and steals your joy. I want something that empowers you. Um, I want food to be something that empowers you over the holiday experience. So today what we're going to be talking about is how to eliminate food guilt over the holidays. This is the biggest question that I've gotten. I actually received this question um, from a friend over Instagram that just said every holiday experience, like not even just like this holiday season, but all throughout the year for holidays for her, she experiences guilt, whether it be 4th of July or Easter or whatever it is. When, when there's a holiday and there's these new foods available, there is guilt that follows. And today I want to address that food guilt and provide a solution for it. And I'm going to be doing this in two parts. There's one part that's like the rational part where I'm going to give you some like logic and reason on how to overcome that food guilt. And then also I'm going to have you get into your body and um, try on some embodiment practice so that you can feel in control um, but also not restricting with food, uh, where you can feel confident in making any food choice, but we're gonna like get into the body. So we've got like the thinking part and then the feeling part, okay? So I'm gonna go with the thinking part first because I think that we're all good thinkers. Actually, grander scale, um, I think that we're like, uh, we are, uh, as a society, as a whole, like we go to the logical brain first. We go to the thinking brain first, right? Like we wanna meet logic with logic. We want reason. We want intellect. We want knowledge. We want new insights. We wanna meet like head to head. And I think that's even more of a reason why we need to get into the body more, but I'm gonna do that second. So using reason, diets, feel like restricting, eating less, compensating, you know, those unhealthy food behaviors that I was talking about that I engaged in before when I had a very disordered relationship with food. That, those are all food rules made up by conditioning that we've kind of assumed by diet culture as a whole. Diet culture prizes thinness. Diet culture says, eat less, move more. Diet culture says, if you eat this way, you can achieve this result. And that result is truly, um, or generally, achieving a smaller size. It says that if you don't follow these rules, you're doing something bad or wrong or doing a disservice to yourself. And so when it comes to the holidays and it comes to these new foods and food traditions and, you know, things like holiday cookings or holiday pie or um, the green bean casserole at Thanksgiving, the diet does not allow wiggle room on that. I should say the diet or clean eating or wellness program initiatives, <laughs> they don't allow any wiggle room. It's very black and white. It's very dichotomous thinking, you could say all or nothing, black and white, dichotomous thinking. That's what diets really, really only promote. There's no gray area, it's black or white. And so when it comes to the green bean casserole, the diet or wellness program or clean eating philosophy would say, these are the food rules that we abide by when considering eating green bean casserole. 
or yes, you can have one cookie or just a half of cookie and maybe you exercise more or compensate in this way or wait to eat or this or that or that and then this cookie is permissible. So you can see that with these rules, these are all the conditions that are placed on maybe eating a specific food or that food itself is just itself deemed good or bad. We put it in buckets. And now when we put them in those good or bad buckets, now they have moral value placed onto them, right? So now that there's some moral value, because now we're talking good and bad. Now we're talking good and bad on food, which makes us good or bad by eating the good or bad thing. So for example, we could see us, oh, we're eating a salad. Salad is good, we're good. Now, holiday cookies. Oh, cookies, these have sugar, right? Frosting, right? There's no nutrients, whatever, in cookies. Cookies are bad. Now I am bad for eating the bad thing. Now that is what happens when we place this moral value on foods. This can be so judgmental to our psyche and actually completely inaccurate, right? Because that, that is, it's just a food. It, there, there's no, um, the food itself, you could say, doesn't have any moral value placed onto it as it is, but we've attached that moral value onto it because of the rules that we've um, been conditioned to learn by diets and diet culture as a whole. Now that cookie has moral value placed onto it. Now eating that cookie says something about us as a person. And when we attach that moral value by our actions, to what they mean to who we are, now that guilt becomes very strong because we see ourselves as doing something bad or wrong and that wrongdoing is associated with the guilt. That can be really powerful. Now, if we're experiencing guilt over and over again, we can start to really rehearse that narrative, those grooves in the brain on guilt and being associated with guilt, they can become really strong. That narrative becomes really strong. We really start to believe it and we can start to really rehearse an unhealthy narrative um, in regards to who we are and how we interact with food. That propels itself into having a very unhealthy relationship with food, obviously. We can get very down on ourselves, thinking that we can never get it right. We can feel like we can never stick to a diet. We can feel, you know, like we just don't know how to eat healthy. Maybe we do logically, but we can't seem to stick to it. There's like a disconnect. We can feel very down on ourselves. We can feel very shameful ourselves. So when that guilt cycles and becomes really cyclical in the mind, and we rehearse guilt over and over by having multiple negative experiences with, experiences with food, that's where we, become, we can become shameful. We can engage in more secretive types of eating. We can um, attach that negative feeling, that negative experience with food and the negative thoughts and feelings we have on ourselves to other things that happen in life. Now, this is affecting other people in the house and how we treat them. Now, this is affecting our work life. Now, this is affecting our health in ways beyond food as well. And so this has a really ripple effect just starting with this food guilt. And so this isn't a conversation that I take lightly. This is a really big conversation. And of course this distracts from our holiday joy. Of course this takes away from the joy that we feel throughout the holiday season. You know, now food is not joyful, now food is stressful because now food says something about ourselves and the ways that we engage with it. 
The way to reverse this, I'm gonna give it to you here right on the show. And this is hard, I'm just gonna put a disclaimer here, this is hard. But it's to remove the conditions that we place on food. Hmm? It's to remove the rules and the conditions that we place on food and our food choices. It's taking the truly anti-diet approach. So those Christmas cookies, if we, af- if, we, if we offer ourselves full permission to eat those Christmas cookies, I'm talking full permission. I'm talking regardless of the sugar, regardless of the amount, regardless. I'm talking no conditions. I'm talking nothing about the actual food itself can have a condition on it. Full permission to eat that Christmas cookie. When we offer ourselves full permission to eat that cookie, when, after the body says, ooh, cookie sounds good, full permission to eat the cookie, we're able to enjoy the cookie, we're able to ask ourselves if we'd like another, we're able to move on from the food experience. And so that's how we can start to heal our relationship with food, is when we first can start to offer ourselves permission to eat these foods that we might have restricted or put conditions on previously. Now I say this is hard because you and I both, we are raised in a diet-centric culture where we've rehearsed food rules for a really long time. Where we might have thought that certain things or components or ingredients are bad for a really long time. Maybe we haven't allowed ourselves permission to eat certain foods for a really long time and maybe you don't even know all the food rules in your mind yet. Maybe you don't even know what those rules are. But if we can pull those rules from the subconscious mind to the conscious mind, when we are making a food decision, we can start to see what permission might look like for us. So maybe if you didn't typically eat that cookie, but you, but you thought for a moment, what if I did? What if I allowed myself to eat that cookie? What would that feel like? You know, what if I took a bite and see if I wanted it? Does it taste good? After we allow ourselves permission, then we can start to think about those layers. Do I even want this? <laughs> Do I even want this cookie? Does it, does it actually taste as good as I thought it tasted? Or did it actually taste only good? Because I was like restricting it, not my, allowing myself to have it and playing this little game with the cookie. Is that what made it like more desirable? Because I told myself I couldn't have it? This happens all the time, right? Like if you tell me I can't have something, I'm gonna want it more. It's like that rebel complex kicks in, right? <laughs> so after we allow ourselves permission, our, our relationship with a food can entirely change. It can entirely change. And what happens after we allow ourselves that permission to eat the food? Well, full permission means that food guilt is gone. And we can attune to the body then and get the body's needs met. If there's conditions placed on food, yes, there's going to be guilt, probably. Like 99% of the time, there's gonna be guilt placed on a food when there's any condition met with that. And additionally, we're not gonna be able to meet the body's needs either. So like, this is where we can feel out of control with food. We can get into like the, what the intuitive eating book calls like the what the hell effect if we're not attuning to the body, which is like, okay, screw it, I'm gonna eat this cookie. And then I'm just gonna eat 10 cookies because I blew it. I blew the diet, I did the bad thing, now I'm just gonna totally do the bad thing because I don't know when I'm gonna have this cookie again. Have you ever done that? Where it's like, oh, I've just totally blown it, now I'm gonna go crazy. I'm just gonna disconnect from my body and eat as much of this as I think that I want right now. That can happen. 
But when we offer ourselves permission from the get-go to eat that thing, we can actually attune to the body and say like, oh, how do I like the taste of this thing? Do I want another? Do I want to finish it? Is there something better that I can eat? It's like we can roll out the red carpet of options now to really see if we can meet our body's needs. You know? So there's, there's so many more layers that we can get into with this conversation of offering ourselves permission to eat. But I want to just kind of cap it right there and talk more about this probably on a future episode because there's a lot to unpack. And all I want to do on this episode right now is just open the door into having you see what permission could look like with eating food. Oftentimes I hear this. Um, when people start to understand what intuitive eating is, they, um, they, they, they stumble over the fact that intuitive eating is, uh, has the idea or, or it um, really enforces the idea of offering ourselves unconditional permission to eat any and all foods while listening in to the body's natural cues of hunger and fullness and satisfaction. People really get stuck up, uh, caught up on the idea of unconditional permission. But what if it's not healthy, Alicia? But what if it has this much sugar? What if I have diabetes? What if I'm scared of weight gain? All of these things are very valid thoughts and fears coming to the surface. And on top of that, as we'll continue to talk about on the show and in future episodes, on top of that, listening to the body is still the answer because it can give you the authority, the confidence and the actual control over food that you're looking for rather than giving diets that control over food that keeps you trapped, that keeps that guilt from continuing to, to continue to surface and keeps you disconnected from your body. And so that's where we're going to continue to explore. And that is like the gateway to offering yourself um, permission to eat foods that you enjoy so that you can begin to discover what life can be like without that food guilt. And here's what happens. When you don't feel guilty over eating foods, then you just move on to the next thing. It's like, oh, I enjoyed that. Oh, I enjoyed that. That was really good. Um, can, I, can I maybe bring some of that home to enjoy later? <laughs> I do that all the time. Like, can I have a little doggy bag? <laughs> can I bring some of that home? <laughs> um, you know, it's like, uh, then we just move on to the next thing. You know, then we eat, we feel satisfied, we move on. And that's something that I think is the real freedom, you know, that comes with food freedom is the freedom to feel unbound by food, untethered to food, the freedom to feel like you can live your life beyond obsessing about food and beyond obsessing by your body by an extension. Because here's another thing, the last thing that I'll share is, is that when we alleviate that food guilt, we can honor the body more too. We can honor the body's signals of fullness and satisfaction because we're not just grasping for the next thing. We're not feeling out of control in the next thing. We can feel confident in our body's direction, in our body's cues that say, ah, you know, thank you for allowing me this thing. I feel satisfied. We can move on. And that's where I want to get into the feeling piece. That's where I want to get into the feeling piece because I can meet you on a, on a, on a logical level with a lot of these things, but these are a lot of feeling concepts that we're talking about. Satisfaction is a feeling. Fullness is a feeling. 
Hunger is a feeling. There's even a feeling associated with the craving of wanting the thing. What does a craving feel like? I encourage you to just like explore all of those different sensations in the body as they come up throughout the holiday season. Take a moment to get introspective about your, about your inner experience and about your body's cues over the holiday season. What do these things feel like? Again, we can talk on an intellectual level. I know that you can tell me, it describes me hunger on an intellectual level. I know that you can probably maybe describe a little bit of satisfaction. And that's a really good practice to do, actually, especially if you're an intellectual, like maybe jotting down or making some notes for yourself. Like, okay, what does hunger actually feel like? It can actually get you to use your logical brain to attune to the body, which is a great gateway. Or otherwise, you can try to eliminate any um, external stimuli, maybe closing your eyes, sitting, <sighs> breathing for a moment, and thinking about the body, you know? Thinking inward, drawing your attention inward to the body. What does hunger feel like? Am I hungry? Asking yourself that question. What does this craving feel like, you know? And how can I honor that? How can I honor that craving? Diets say dismiss the hunger, distract yourself, deny yourself the things that you want. And actually intuitive eating is asking you, no, ex explore that. Get curious about that feeling of hunger. Get curious about that craving. How can we honor that? How can we grant ourselves more permission to eat the thing? How can we sift through all of the rules that we have around that thing to allow ourselves permission to eat that thing so that then we can move on to the next thing? That's the idea that I'd like you to explore today. It's really the heartbeat of intuitive eating and it is the way to begin to remove guilt from your food experience so that you can more fully enjoy the Christmas, Thanksgiving, holiday season that is in front of us with all of the foods that you know that you enjoy. Don't let the foods that you enjoy be the thing that takes the joy away from your holiday experience. I've lived too many holiday seasons like that. It's time for you to step into this next version of yourself where you feel worthy enough to really feel that you can enjoy foods again in this new and different, refreshing way in which you offer yourself permission to eat any and all foods. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you've gleaned anything from this episode, screenshot and share it on Instagram or on social media. You can tag me at aliciabrown.rdn. Um, you can also subscribe. Oh, please subscribe to the show. That means so much. It helps me uh, break through all of the dieting podcasts out there to get intuitive eating on the map. So thank you for that. And lastly, rate the show. Thanks for rating the show. You don't have to you know, write like a very long description of how much you loved it. Of course, I would love if you did. I, I would read them all. Um, but thank you for rating, subscribing, and screenshotting and sharing. That means so much. Um, and if you haven't listened to the episode last Thursday, Carrie Merrill, fitness expert, um, she was on last Thursday to talk about um, how to like let the body lead with fitness. She brings the fire in that episode. Go, be sure to check that out if you haven't already. And I will see you on this Thursday's episode. Take care. Take care.